And getting back into it, we're on the other half of the TD Garden, which is probably locked tight and very closed down right now. But the Boston Bruins, and more widely the NHL, and actually the AHL we're going to talk about here to start off things. Kind of a scary look for the NHL here, because the AHL has canceled the remainder of their season and playoffs. Obviously, the AHL a little bit less riding on that. It's not the professional league it's kind of like a feeder mm-hmm. a lower tier league but the the but feeder league for the nhl for the nhl but it's one of those things where if this is what's happening you don't exactly suspect the nhl is going to follow suit there's going to be obviously a lot more pushback and a lot more work put in to make sure if anything the nhl can start back up again but it's not the best to look in terms of where we're moving so i your thoughts on it like what it means yeah, I'm not too concerned. Keep in mind, the NHL has a lot more riding on playing out the rest of their season and or playoffs than the NHL or the AHL would, pardon me. Uh, but it's still not a great look. Uh, it's one of the first uh, even minor leagues that I've heard of to straight up cancel. I mean, we heard about the, the March Madness tournament bar back in the beginning or end of March, rather. I mean, the XFL, dude, the XFL canceled. Their They're season. not a real league, so they don't count. <laughs> yes, they are. Um <laughs> Uh, that being said, yeah, you're right. It's not a great look, but the NHL has of all the leagues been, I think the least, I'm going to say vocal or, um, least forthcoming with what they're doing. And I think that goes to show they don't exactly know what, again, there's proposals and ideas in place. And again, nothing is definite, but from what I've heard, and this is a dedicated ESPN thread, uh, or a dedicated thread to the NHL and updates, uh, revolving around the virus. The league is supposedly focused on jumping right into the playoffs, which I found interesting. Going to upset a lot of teams, I think, that were probably right on the cusp. But this is uh, an unprecedented time we are in, so they do what they must. Uh, So instead of finishing up the regular season, and from what I read, they were fine with if the playoffs have to wait until, you know, the end of summer into fall, they were willing to do that. Uh, What that does to the next season will be uh, determined when they actually make a decision. But uh, something very interesting, and again, the NHL hasn't really been super vocal about what their plans are. Yeah, I'm down to go to a parade in like October for hockey. It doesn't make a difference to me, dude. Yeah, it does true. not make a difference to me. But it's one of those things where I, I have higher hopes for the NHL, obviously, like we mentioned. It's a lot more, I don't want to say serious league, but like there's so much more riding on it in terms, in terms of like contracts and the all that stuff, money, money. So I hope that the NHL can start up again. It sucks because the Bruins, we say this every time, we're having such a good season. But I will take. I mean, if they any... do jump straight to the playoffs, we have we have a home uh, home ice advantage. Not that it matters that fans won't be there, I guess. Yeah. But and you'll have to see. Like we might not even be playing at our actual home. They de- play depending booze on, over the PA. <laughs> depending on like where the the. Like a much neutral sites, kind yeah, of thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it might not mean anything, but a bright spot, I guess. I just hope we get hockey back, man. That's that's really what I want, and I think we will use that to transition over to. Well, we missed one thing, actually, Bruins-related stuff. I skipped over it. Oh, because yeah. I wanted to keep the league stuff together. But uh, I'm not going to pronounce his first name. But Halak, our uh, goalie, other tandem goalkeeper, I guess, in terms in uh, with Rask has signed a one-year extension, so he will be back next year, uh, and we will continue to have one of the, if not the best, uh, netminder duos in the league. Yeah. Welcome back, Yara Halak. I mean, he's been a force in net when Rask hasn't been there. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, when Rask isn't in net, 
you don't feel like it's a backup goalie. Like you don't feel like it's a, like you just feel like it's oh, it's not Rask, but it's another insanely good goalie. Yeah, it's and a starter just, on you know in in half of the league at least. Uh, so really happy to have Yaro Halak back on the team for next year. Hopefully next year's a little more complete than whatever this season ends up being. Now we will transition to the Patriots. Yes. And the first and biggest thing that oh I I could run with, for a half an hour with this for all for all I we're care. not going to let you do we're not going this. to but finally we have something actually football to talk about that doesn't make me want to cry or quit being a fan or stop watching the sport or throw away most things that connect to the internet in our house the Patriots schedule has released and we can finally talk about something football that has some promise to it Mm -hmm. so i don't know how you want to go about this i do we run through the games do we just pick out a couple of games here do a breakdown later or what do you want to do i think we can do a full breakdown later kind of save ourselves something and not just exhaust the only uh, thing we have to talk about maybe pick uh pick three games on here that uh that you think are going to be the hardest the best to watch um i don't know yeah okay if I'll, just, gonna... I'll just go after you. Okay. <laughs> well, the, I would say the biggest thing that we've both talked about off the podcast mm-hmm. is the fact that there is no game between us and the Bucks. I thought that would be the NFL's go-to. That would draw not only uh, every Patriots and every Bucks uh, fan like to their television. NFL the fans. NFL in general, any football fan would want to see People that who watch for the Shield. Men of the Shield. Men of the Shield, yeah. But I don't know. If I got to pick three games here, obviously you're going to look for matchups. October 4th, 425 p.m. away in Arrowhead, home of the, the probably the dwelling of Andy Reid. So he's got yeah. a cave somewhere in there. I mean, and this game makes our list uh, for the last two years, I think. Yeah, it's literally just been. I mean, we should have won last time. Nikhil Harry was in bounds. It's still – I mean, that's, that's why we got out of the playoffs early. You can just tie the strings right back to it. Obviously. But Revenge Tour, October 4th. Studham, Jarrett Studham, not Stidham, Studham. Studham. It's, stu- it's Studham season. Stud. Studham season. Uh, yeah, I mean, every time we play the Chiefs, with a guy like Patrick Mahomes, uh, a quarterback on the other team, in a place as legendary as Arrowhead, it's always going to be a good matchup. I would say the next matchup to look for, I'm going to say October 25th, San Francisco 49ers at home. This is a team that, this is kind of something that wasn't talked about a lot. Uh, A place that we almost traded Tom Brady to before dealing Jimmy Garoppolo that supposedly set in motion the whole chain of events that led to Brady leaving this past offseason or this offseason. So Niners at home, we get to see the, I believe the Golden Boys return to Gillette since being traded. I might have to look that up to fact check, but uh and lastly i feel like i'm just going for the dumb games here but november 15th at home 8 20 prime time baby sunday night football probably sunday yeah sunday night football um we got the baltimore ravens at home probably our toughest opponent from last season i'll be interested to see how baltimore pans out if there's ever a team that i think can change the most from last year to this year it's going to be the baltimore ravens you have a whole year of finding out what lamar jackson does and this year is 2020 is going to be like, was the Lamar Jackson hype worth it or not? I think after Patrick Mahomes' breakout year two years ago, you said, okay, he had one really good season. Is he the real deal? And this past season, he won a Super Bowl. Yeah, he's the real deal. Is Lamar Jackson going to have the same effect? 
is that whole mobile QB thing still going to work for them or are we going to have a better design? I always talk about it. The Patriots do poorly against teams that have a traditionally great run pass option in Baltimore. One of those teams like spearheading the whole like running two QBs kind of thing. They have these very weird backfields along with a team like the Saints or something where you never know what's coming at you. So I think that will be a third great matchup. I could basically talk about all of these, but I will leave you to pick your three, which I'm guessing we're going to be similar to the three that I picked. I'm actually going to start off different. I'm going to go with the opening day matchup, September 13th against the Dolphins. One, because Dolphins, different looking team, it seems. They they acquired some good draft. Uh, they acquired half our team. That's what I was going for. That's the, those are the words I was looking for. Uh, acquired some good good people in the draft. Of course, uh, the biggest probably being Tua, Tua uh, who officially just signed his contract today for a buttload of money. Congrats to him. Uh and it'll be our first look at what I hope for is um, Jared Stidham starting at QB. Honestly, and kind yeah. of our first look, obviously our first look, preseason, Dalton count. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but our first look at what is a very different Patriots team, I think, than what we've seen over the past 20 years. And obviously Tom Brady being the main person and the biggest person to have left the team. But I just, I want to see how that's going to affect the whole team. And I don't think there's a better way to start off our season than with AFC rival that we continually struggle against. My, my redeeming factor is that is a home game. But still, I mean, we saw him drop the game that we went to. It was a home game. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, we don't need him, to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll just, what's your next game? Uh, I was going to pick the Ravens game as well. Uh. It's one of those things like now that Lamar Jackson has been in the league a couple of years and people think, you know, this guy could be it. Um, but we got all this time in this offseason to, you know, players have been studying him and there's there's footage on him. You know, there's Bill Belichick's war room has 90 TVs constantly replaying every Lamar Jackson run. For exactly my point. Now that he's been in the league years. a few years, it'll be interesting to see how teams deal with that. The Patriots especially uh, and with with our defense that is still looking very good. Uh, and then lastly, I would also choose the Chiefs game. Just I think it's it's probably the biggest game on there. Maybe the San Francisco 49ers game. Maybe the Baltimore Ravens game. Uh, I think you look at the schedule, though. You point to the Chiefs game, Chiefs game the defending Super Bowl champions, as they will be. Uh, and that's, that's your biggest matchup. I mean, the thing, too, just to, like, I know we're going to break this down more, but even matchups with we have, like, the Texans, we got the Cardinals, Uh, We have back-to-back LA matchups and the Chargers and Rams. Like, there's so many interesting games on here that will be interesting for their own reasons. That Mm -hmm. once again, we'll dive into. We can break these down again more Uh, in depth next uh, next week. I just want to mention this portion of the schedule here as I point to the computer screen. Yeah, that they can't see. Three straightaway Uh, games. Three straightaway games. December sixth, tenth, and twentieth against the Chargers, the Rams, and the Dolphins. Dumbest logo in the game, right there. I think (laughs) he's pointing to the Rams one. Uh, I think could potentially be one of the harder stretches of schedule. I think what's nice about this, I've talked with my friends also off the podcast. Um, compared to last year's schedule, it seems like our hard games are a little bit more spread out, though. So you know, you have basically just because of the division we're in, mm-hmm. you have the you know Dolphins, then the Seahawks, which is a tough matchup. Matchup. Then you have you know Raiders, then the Chiefs, then you you know. It's a little more spread out, whereas last season it seemed like we had the super easy start and then hard game, like difficult game, difficult game, difficult game, back to back to back to back to back. Technically speaking, we do have the hardest 
schedule out of the entire NFL based on last year's records. And surprisingly, the Baltimore Ravens have the easiest. I don't get how that works. But there you go, just to throw it in there ahead of time. Uh, the projected wins for the Patriots I have seen uh, as low as four. And then I think you said on gambling sites, it rides around nine-ish. The last I saw was a couple days ago. The over-under was nine. So that's, for those of you that don't know much about gambling, they set that over-under. It's where half the people are going to go over and half the people. So that's like the equilibrium that people are willing to bet on. Uh, so in terms of like crowdsourcing kind of, that's I think that's a, the consensus as to how good the Patriots are going to be. How big? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. not like a stretch. That is middle of the road. What yeah, they think pretty much. Be. Anyways, I think that just about does it for the normal news section of the podcast. Probably the most we've had to talk about in a couple weeks. of weeks. Yeah. Uh, but stick around because we actually have the next round, round two of the best moment in Boston sports. Recent history, Kinda. in our uh, we, opinions. we got to get a better name. Better right? name for this. But make sure to stick around. That will be starting after we do this little outro. Anyways, that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. So if you did enjoy it, please do leave it a rating on whatever podcast platform you listen on. We'd like to hear back from you guys. Know what we're doing well, what we can do, be doing better. Obviously, a little bit of this stuff's out of our control, but we try to do our best our control. <laughs> to give you the information we can as much as we can given the situation at hand if you want to keep up with the podcast outside of our normal uh drop time uh, tuesdays at 7 a.m uh follow us on our social medias our instagram is brady bros boston our youtube is brady bros my twitter is brady bros nick james's twitter is james b underscore boston make sure to stick around for the second round of the bracket it's a good one and it's going to be tough going forward anything else james Make sure to subscribe to our podcast whatever platform you listen on because that way it shows up Every single time, you don't have to go look for it. You don't have to go look, like we said, Tuesday mornings at 7 a.m. EST. You don't have to go look for it. It just shows up on your phone, on whatever your device, whatever your platform is. That way, it's super easy to find, so make sure to do that. Anyways, guys, thank you for listening. We'll see you all next week. See ya. All right, everyone. We are back with the second round of the best moment in Boston sports recently kind of thing. We are joined today by my friend Keegan. Keegan, you can say hello to everyone. Hey, everyone. How you doing? Good. Everyone's great. They can't answer you. Uh, but we are back. James will be reading the picks again. And uh, yeah, you pretty much know how this goes by now. So James, get us started. All right. This, I mean, you guys will pick up how this goes pretty quick. It's nothing too complex. All right. We'll start back with the Red Sox again. Number one seed. Back to folk, Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The winning of the 2004 World Series Championship versus the number eight seed, Andrew Benatendi, 2018 ALCS Game 4 sliding catch. Nicholas started off for us. For me, it's got to be Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. Uh, they actually posted this on their Instagram like late last night. I don't know if anyone else saw it, but uh, just just that call from the booth is so perfect and what that meant after 86 long years without a championship. All right, Keegan, over to you. Yeah, no, I'd have to agree. I mean, the Benatendi catch was sweet, but they were up 2-1 in that series, um, so they had plenty of time to fix it if they lost that game. And like Nick said, like that's just an iconic call from the booth. Um, when I watched that video and listened to it back, it was just like it's everyone knows it. Perfect. All right, yeah, I, was, I mean, I was going to go with it. How can you not? Like, I mean, it's literally... 
it's probably the number one like, seed for a reason. I would say the most important World Series of the last four we've won. That or 2013, oh, yeah. I'd argue, but oh, yeah. still. It's moving on. Next up, we got the five seed. Chris Sale coming in in the ninth inning of Game 5 in the 2018 World Series versus the number four seed, David Ortiz's iconic This Is Our Effing City speech. Keegan, over to you to start it off. Uh, I had Ortiz's speech. Um, that was just an awesome moment, and it also kicked off a great season for them where they went on to win. So it's got to be that one for me. Nicholas? Yeah, I'm going to agree. I'm a little hesitant, but uh, what that meant as the city or for the city rather, and just what it what it led to that season again was was huge. Yeah, for me, I could really go either way, but I think you guys bring up good points. Uh, and honestly, you guys outnumber me. So even if I voted the other way, that moves on. Up next, we have the number 11 seed Shane Victorino's World Series Game 6 bases clearing double in 2013. Versus number three seed, David Roberts stealing second. Nicholas, you're up first. It's got to be Roberts stealing second. This might be my, f- I don't know, such a good moment. Like, without without that call, without that uh, that steal, like, we were done. We're just done. And that kind of turned the entire series around in stage uh, one of the greatest comebacks in all of sports. Yep. Keegan, your thoughts on it? So this was one of my toughest picks. Um, I remember watching that Shane Victorino double and just like his celebration after the whole thing. It was just awesome. Um, But I have to go with Roberts just because of the stakes. They were way higher. Um, Victorino, they were leading that series anyway. So whereas Roberts, like Nick said, like they're done if he doesn't get that steal. Yeah, I mean, Roberts. What a call by the coaching staff, too. Like, they have the. I mean, you kind they of. They knew it. he was going to steal, too. That's the best part about that entire moment. They know he's going to steal, and he, oh, still, yeah. he still pulls it off. All right. Last up for the Red Sox, we've got the number seven seed, Jason Veritek and A Rod Brawl versus the number two seed, David Ortiz's 2013 Grand Slam. Keegan, you're going to start it off. Um, as much as I love the Brawl, it's, it's Ortiz. Um,. <laughs> They were down four runs. They're behind in the series at Fenway. The cop falling over the the wall, like the whole thing was just awesome scene. I'm tempted to choose the brawl purely for rivalry and just so we don't have one, two, three, and four move on. Uh, but, I mean, David Ortiz, one of the most iconic Red Sox guys. Like you said, we were down. Uh, and, like, just the iconic images and, again, the call from it. The bullpen cop, the guy falling over the wall, it's all its all great. So I'm going to go with Ortiz there as well. I mean, yeah. like I feel like that could have been the number one seed just as easily. Yeah. I mean, it's one of, one of if not the best moments from at least the last decade. For me, it's got to move on. Which puts us on to the Celtics. Number one seed, anything is possible. Kevin Garnett, 2008 NBA Championship. Versus the number eight seed, Paul Pierce's last game in the TD Garden. Nicholas, you're up first. I mean, anything's possible, man. It's in our intro. How can we not? How can we not use it? That's me personally. Just love that team and just spoke to how much that meant to Kevin Garnett and I think to the Celtics as a whole. All right, Keegan. Um, so I love Paul Pierce's last game, but uh, anything is possible as a championship, and it is the city of champs. So. I think I got to go with that one. And honestly, that moment for me just ranks up there with like some of the most iconic championship like pictures and interviews you've seen, like whether it's Jordan with his trophy or 
Kobe with his. That's a really good point, actually. It's that one really ranks up there with all the all the best ones. I think this is something that like I still say this in references to this day, and I was seven years old when they won the championship. So I mean, it it's just crazy. Like anyone in the city of Boston, if you were to say that, I feel like knows what you're talking about. Anyways, though, we will move on up next. We got the five seed Jason Tatum dunking on LeBron in game seven of the 2017 Eastern Conference Finals versus the number 13 seed. Terry Rozier drains a three-pointer for the lead against the Bucks, giving birth to the scary Terry era in Boston. Keegan, you're up first. Uh, I got to go Tatum. Like That was one of the meanest dunks I've ever seen, uh, especially from a rookie on arguably the best player in the world uh, and on the biggest stage in game seven. So I, I got to go that one. All right, Nicholas. I hate LeBron and I love Jason Tatum. <laughs> Moving on. Doesn't get any better. Over LeBron. scary Terry. Stupid, stupid. Oh, he's the worst. The absolute worst. Anyways, though, we will move on. We got up next the number 11 seed, the 2017 playoff run without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. And the number three seed, the big three being assembled in Boston. Nicholas, you're up first. I'm going to go with the 2017 playoff run. Uh, just seeing what our young guys could do and knowing what uh, they did in like the next couple of years up to now and how good they are continuing to be and are going to be in the future. Uh, and it just shows that like th- those, those all-star players, those superstar players, they aren't always everything. All right, Keegan, over to you. Uh, I had the the 2017 playoffs. Um, the big three was awesome, but they came with a heap of expectations to win titles. Whereas those playoffs, we were underdogs, which is always a good story, and we were, weren't expected to do anything. Never mind to go to the Eastern Conference Finals and push the Cavs to Game Seven. Yeah, I mean, I it was a toss up for me because as much as I love the big three, like. I was only so involved in watching basketball. And yes, they did bring us a championship, but I think like you said, going in with a much lower expectation and ending up where we did was a really, really cool thing to watch. And last up, we have the number 10 seed, Jalen Brown taking his turn dunking on LeBron versus the number two seed, Isaiah Thomas dropping 53 in the Eastern Conference semifinals on his late sister's birthday. Keegan, you're up first. Uh, This one was easy for me. It's IT. Um, what he did for that franchise during their rebuilding years was unbelievable to say the least. Um, and then to cap it all off with that playoff run and to do what he did, especially after his sister's passing, um, was just surreal to watch. Yeah, I got to agree. Isaiah Thomas, uh, kind of bummed he's not on the Celtics anymore and, uh, it, it sucks for him. It hasn't like stuff hasn't really gone his way. I think since leaving the Celtics, but what he did, given those circumstances, was just absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's for me, it was basically super easy decision. IT all the way. Next up, we got the Bruins coming up with the number one seed, Zdeno Chara hoisting the Stanley Cup versus the number nine seed, Greg Campbell breaking his leg on a shot block, but finishing the shift. Nicholas, you're up first. Oh, man, this one's tough because the Greg Campbell thing speaks to how tough just hockey players are in general. They are actually a different breed of human being. But seeing the excitement in that team uh, as Zidane Chara skated up to, you know, shake the hand, grab the cup, and just seeing his reaction to that is is unbeatable in my opinion. Keegan, over to you. Um, this one was a toss-up for me, too, for the same reasons. Um, so I'll play devil's advocate, and I'll go with Greg Campbell. 
Okay, Ooh, interesting. interesting. Man, being called in. Use my powers. Uh, as much as the Greg Campbell thing is like, I said this, I think the last time, like you read it and it doesn't seem real. But as much as it is a crazy moment, I got to go with Chara hoisting the cup. I mean, that is our captain. That was the championship in, in our lifetimes. I got to go with with Chara hoisting that Stanley Cup. It was a close one for sure. Definitely for a one one and nine seed. It was a close matchup, but I got to go Chara. Up next, we got the number five seed, Tory Krug's chase down hit during the Stanley Cup versus the number four seed, Bruins OT winner versus Canadians game seven in 2011. Keegan, you're up first. So um, kind of like James, you mentioned with your involvement with basketball, my involvement with hockey hasn't been much until like the last couple years. Um, so I don't really remember the 2011 playoffs, but I do remember watching Tory Krug crush that guy last year. So <laughs> I'm on the Tory Krug train. <laughs> All right, Nikos, you're up. Oh man, this is tough. Uh, I'm going to go with the OT winner versus the Canadians. I mean, I, I've i said it before how much I love rivalries. And again, not to mention the call that came from the booth on that one. Just literally the announcer yelling on TV was insane. And, and that reaction, uh, yeah. Oh, this, I was honestly hoping you were going to pick the Krug hit so I wouldn't have to decide because I'm really torn on these two. I think the Krug hit is one of the greatest hockey moments i have witnessed and it was my phone uh background for a long while but at the same time like if the bruins don't win that game in ot that's the 2011 run done right there Mm -hmm. that is our stanley cup this past couple decades gone and for just the sheer the sheer influence that that single moment has on this team's recent history i have to go with the Bruins OT winner, as much as it pains me, I gotta go. I could watch that Tory Krug hit on the number four too. seed. Man, that's actually having to get involved here. I don't like this feeling. <laughs> Anyways, we'll move on to the next one. We got the number eleven seed, Tim Thomas and Carey Price fight versus the number three seed, the national anthem after the marathon bombing. Nicholas, you're up first. Uh, another tough one. As much as I love rivalries and everything, but that national anthem after the bombing was so powerful and you could just see everyone was, was so involved in uh, what it meant to everyone, I think. So the national anthem for me. All right, Keegan. Yeah, I got to agree when that happened um, that year, I remember seeing clips of it on social media and stuff. And I remember just getting chills when I first saw that. And even every time I see it since then, like it's just incredibly moving to, to witness that. Yeah, I think it's the same thing as like the David Ortiz speech. Like it just, it's incredible and in how, how emotional that moment is. And as much as 2013 did not end the way we wanted for the Bruins, I think that, that that moment itself was just so meaningful. And we'll move up to our last matchup of the Bruins. We got the number seven seed, pretty much the only old moment on here, Bobby Orr's goal to win the Stanley Cup versus the number two seed, the 2013 comeback, Game 7 versus the Leafs. I throw it in there, named Game of the Decade. Uh, Keegan, you're up first. Uh, so this one was kind of tough for me. The Bobby Goral is is iconic, and I love that like goofy jump celebration he does right after he scores it. 
Um, but 2013, those playoffs were like the first ones I really started paying attention to hockey a bit more. Um, and then, you know, looking at what was going on in that game too, it was high scoring. Um, we were down three goals at one point and then we tied up in the last minute to force OT. I got to go that one. Um, just an awesome game all around. Yeah. It's game of the decade for me. Two goals with your goalie pulled in a playoff game in a game seven. Incredible. Also, just against like against the Maple Leafs too. Like, Another rival. No one yeah. likes the Maple Leafs, so for those reasons, it is moving on. As much as the Bobby Orr goal, that's like the second you we can't we can't fully appreciate yeah. it. You know, the second you learn about like the Bruins' existence, that has to be the first thing that comes up. Probably, yeah, arguably, I'm one sure. of the most iconic. But I don't know. I'm with you guys on this one. This it's got to be the comeback. So yeah, we, we can say whatever we want. Anyways, we are finishing off with the Patriots session. The number one seed, tossed to James White. He's in. Patriots win the Super Bowl. Brady has his fifth. I could go on and on. Come back. Yep. Super Bowl 51 in OT versus the number nine seed. Stephon Gilmore's game ceiling. Super Bowl 53 interception. Nicholas, over to you. Tossed to White. It's in the intro again. How can you not choose it? Keegan? Yeah, I got to agree. Um, also, just awesome play. Like, he look, really looked like he should have been stopped by, like, three guys and yeah, just himself in there. Yeah. I mean, I got to go with the two. It's one, it's like got, uh, Gilmore's interception seals the game in a way that, like, okay, unless something really awful happens, we've won. Mm-hmm. Whereas James White's, like, that won, the, like, that play itself won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Moving on, we got the five seed. Adam Vinatieri's Super Bowl 36 game-winning kick versus the number four seed Julian Edelman's pass to Danny Amendola against the Ravens in the playoffs. Keegan, you're up first. Um, so this was a little tough for me because that Julian Edelman to Danny Amendola play was was awesome, um, like total highlight reel play. But Vinatieri, uh, I went with him because that was the start of a, a 20-year dynasty that's only just now coming to an end as we know it. So. I think it's got to be that one. The weight and that that carried is just uh, immense. Nicholas? I didn't think of the dynasty point until you brought it up, and that's a really good point. I'm personally going to go with the Julian Edelman to Danny Amendola catch uh, purely because I love that Belichick had the guts to call that play given the circumstance. I mean, you're down in a in a playoff game that was that the I think championship that was or to, to send go you to, to the, the Super Bowl that was to send you to the Super Bowl and to pull a play like that was yeah. um incredible yeah That's a good point. oh man you guys <laughs> and it's you not like the it. easy matchups where I'm like oh I can pick one it's so difficult uh I think I gotta go with Vinatieri's kick though I think just this was the start of of what people have recently referred to as like is this the greatest dynasty in all of sports like right. is this the greatest thing we've ever witnessed and is there's no other way i'd rather start off my life experience with the patriots it leads for the next years of just incredible disappointment but you got to hold on to the good while it lasts <laughs> i gotta go the five seed and also we don't want to have one four three two for most of the brackets too so we'll switch it up uh anyways up next we have the number six seed danny amandola's catch in the back of the end zone to go up on the jaguars in the 2017 afc championship Versus the number three seed Edelman's Super Bowl Fifty One catch. Nicholas, you're up first. Edelman's catch, man. I st- I still can't believe it. I still cannot believe he caught that ball. The the focus 
and just the athleticism to and I mean another one where if, if that doesn't go through we're probably losing that game yep Keegan over to you so correct me if I'm wrong but that uh 2017 that was the year Jalen Ramsey said they they were going to the Super Bowl right and then we knocked them out with that catch yeah that is true oh that's tough um <laughs> <laughs> but I I gotta go Edelman um awesome catch like Nick said, the, the concentration. And then when he got up, too, he knew he had it, which was crazy. Um, and also an, an iconic call from the booth once they saw the replay. So I, I got to go Edelman's catch to keep the comeback alive. Joe Buck just going, oh, yeah, that's a catch. Now here's <laughs> a guy who can make a catch. Yeah, I got to go with that as well. It's just – it's one of those things where you watch, like, those last three drives, and my heart will still be racing the entire time watching the end of that game – and it's, you can pinpoint every single, well, if they don't make that, if they don't get this play, if they don't get that conversion, like every single time, the odds are so against them. And like this, this happens. Like, I mean, this was one of the greatest moments uh, and has to move on. Last up, last up, we have the number seven seed. Brady throws five touchdowns <laughs> in a quarter versus the number two Malcolm Butler's Super Bowl 49 interception. Keegan, you're up first. Oh, when I watched the the highlights of that game um, that Brady threw the five touchdowns, I, I just laughed. <laughs> um, <laughs> such a blowout, 45 nothing at halftime. Um, <laughs> but it's got to be Butler. Uh, it won a Super Bowl. I, when we were watching that live, it was, you know, one of those games where you know the only chance you have to win is a, basically a mistake on the other team, which is a tough thing to bet on. Um and yet we won a Super Bowl off it, so it's it's got to be that one for me. Nicholas. Should have run the ball, Pete Carroll. Unbelievable. What are, you, um, what are you doing, Pete? I just – also, like, the Butler thing, You we have the we have the memes of Brady jumping up and down. We have the uh, the Marshawn – is that who it was, Marshawn Lynch? Yeah. Just, like, oh, his face well, dropping. Richard Sherman. Was Richard Sherman, that's who I'm thinking Marshawn Lynch should have been in the game. Yeah, he wasn't. <laughs> uh, and just from a guy you would never expect. Yeah, I think this is something we neglected to bring up last time. Malcolm Butler was a rookie. Yeah, like an he made He made the play of his career in a Super Bowl of the first season he played professional football. Like, it doesn't make sense. Brady throwing five touchdowns in a quarter is it's almost inhuman. Like... It, it doesn't seem real. Did we did we look up how many other quarterbacks? I'm pretty sure there? he's the only one. <laughs> okay, maybe tied with Nick Foles. I think it might have done it at one point. Of course, he did. Somehow, his our only weakness. But I mean, the Malcolm Butler thing. It just he got it, burned on that play in practice too. I don't know if you guys heard that story. Yeah, um, that was something they practiced uh, over and over again. If you watch yeah, like the the recap video or DVD or dvd or just the movie or whatever that's something they talk about and focus on a lot actually well he didn't get burned that time no we we made the cut uh so that has been the second round we are getting down uh into some what is gonna just get oh it's gonna be so tougher and tougher as we go on uh keegan thanks so much for being here and we uh will hope you'll be back for the final four to join everyone yeah thanks for having me guys looking forward to it